2: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
3: Three and two. It's not five and zero, oh, but what an incredible road trip for the Chicago Bulls. Welcome in to the Windy City Bulls podcast. I know my Bulls fans out there, you've been waiting for it. So here it is. Coach A and Brian Beto coming on up. Uh, but we recorded after four games, so I want to throw in a little bit on the Nuggets last night. It takes a lot for me to record on a Saturday evening, but. Wanted to get this podcast out and just wanted to celebrate another Bulls win. And I don't care that Nikola Jokic did not play. Uh, we didn't have Vooch. they didn't have Jokic. That's uh, not exactly a wash, but close enough. And Derek Jones's dunk last night against the Nuggets, if you didn't see it, he gets the ball basically, I don't know, a step inside the three-throw line. and I mean, he's a slam-dunk champion, but this was... Just big, big, big time, and the Bulls are super fun right now. I was reading uh, Casey Johnson's piece today over at uh, NBC Sports Chicago. I did not know DeMar DeRozan leads the NBA with 118 fourth-quarter points. That's incredible. You know who's second? That would be Zach Levine with 101. That's amazing to me. The Bulls have the first and second scores in the fourth quarter, and I think it's really interesting how Billy Donovan is choosing to use them. Basically, in my mind at least, he's prioritized DeMar. DeMar, you're getting it first, but it ends up going back and forth. Zach's certainly getting his opportunities. He had a, the one shot he hit in in the fourth quarter last night where he's dribbling to his left. I thought he was going to throw it back to the guard, but he pulls up from the three-point line and buries it. Good God, that was a, a, an incredibly difficult shot, and... DeMar can get to the foul line, making his free throws. The Bulls not missing free throws last night. That was amazing. And, yeah, we're going to talk about DeMar DeRozan coming up here. I did not know that this guy is this good. And he had a hell of an off season too. And he's in incredible shape. But credit to Mark Eversley and Arturis and everybody for going out and getting DeRozan because uh, he has changed this team. Flat out changed it. So has Alex Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso is the... You know who he is? He's the absolute nightmare that you want to see when you step on the basketball court if he's not on your team. If you're going, like I went to the University of Iowa, if you were showing up at the field house to play pickup hoop, which is basically all I did at the University of Iowa, the last guy you want to see is Caruso. Not going to score a ton, but he's going to make your day miserable. And that's what he does to Steph Curry or Paul George or whoever. Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum... In the Nuggets game last night, I mean, Stacey King was going absolutely nuts as he was able to shut down Monte Morris, which, okay, not necessarily a household name, but Caruso's just flat-out awesome. And the Bulls, imagine if they had Patrick Williams, the forgotten man, right? But that'd be another good physical perimeter and in-the-post defender to add into what they're doing. So not only can they score, but they can defend. I don't know. Phoenix Suns last year, Chicago Bulls this year, that's the tallest uh, that I've gone this season. But I do see some similarities, at least that the Suns came out of out of nowhere and the Bulls are coming out of nowhere. No one, Mark Eversley, Arturis, Billy Donovan, Coach A included, thought they would be here. But on that note, let's bring in Coach A and Brian Beto. A lot on this uh, podcast as we will discuss the DeRozan emergence, and pretty much everything that I just teed up here. Actually, one other thing that I wanted to hit on this little pregame. I saw an article by PlayAZ.com. It was a survey. The best and worst NBA mascots ranked by sports fans, and Benny the Bull was ranked number two behind the Rocky the Mountain Lion of the Denver Nuggets. Benny the Bull 2, Grizz of the Grizzlies 3, Champ of the Mavericks is 4, Bango the Buck 5, and on down. Let me just say something. Benny the Bull has had different people in that Bull suit. Benny Double got arrested. Benny the Bull, I think the last Benny the Bull, uh, retired, and now we got a new guy in there. Uh, look, until Benny the Bull gets rid of the ridiculous popcorn act, where he walks behind the basket, he's walking on the top of seats, and then he falls over and spills popcorn on everyone. Benny the Bull should not be on the list. That is an offense to Bulls fans who are paying good money to sit in those seats. They don't need popcorn dumped on them by Benny the Bull so the 3,000 people at the United Center can find it funny. I find it offensive, and I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, but, but somewhat serious. Benny, step up your game. Dumping popcorn on the fans, it's just not that great. It's not a good look, Benny. You're better than that, buddy. And by the way, this Benny the Bull, you know he does that over-the-shoulder half-court shot backwards? The old Benny the Bull, dude could nail it. This guy sucks. Nowhere close. I don't even know if it's a guy. Maybe it's a girl. Whatever. Whoever's in that costume sucks. And nowhere close to uh, knocking down that shot. Might as well get that shot out of the repertoire here because uh, you can't make it. So, Benny the Bull being number two, that's on, that is like a great hitting first baseman getting a gold glove. Th- this is based on reputation. Back in the day, this current Benny the Bull plus the popcorn, which takes in the old Benny the Bull, adding in nothing new. No way you're number two, bud. No way. It's an overrated, absolute, uh, blasphemer rating by playaz.com. Benny the Bull is not number two. He should be at best 22. All right. On that note, let's get into it. The Windy City Podcast with Brian Beto and Coach A starts right now. Showtime. Coach A, uh, you've got a new microphone. Congratulations, Beto. Good job getting Coach A through the, uh, augmentation of that. And, uh you were the guy that said 51 wins. So I think we got to lead off with your optimism and your, your foresight and your brilliance on how good this basketball team is. Vito, what did you say? Actually, how many wins did you have? 47? I want to say.
2: Yeah, I think I was, I thought it was 49, 47, but it wasn't, to the level of a coach a optimism. It was good. Not that strong.
3: Right. I mean, we got coach a, we, 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 we doff our chapeau to you. We bow down to your basketball brilliance and, well,
1: and there's a long way to go to getting to the 51 still, but I appreciate that. <laughs> At least everybody's talking about them, right? Yeah,
3: they are. And they're talking about the team. A lot of people are talking about DeMar and he was messed up in San Antonio for whatever reason. And, He's fired up to be in Chicago, and he saw what everybody was saying about him, that he's washed, and he was super motivated, and Stacey King is calling him Demarvelous. I'm going to be honest, (laughs) which I think is phenomenal, one of King's all-time great nicknames. But you know, I didn't watch a ton of Raptors basketball, so you don't really know what he's doing every night. But this dude's footwork and his ability to just get himself shots, and he is – Crafty as hell. I I don't know. I, I I've just enjoyed the marvelous. Can we start there? Is, is everybody feeling that Demar is this good? Buzz like I didn't realize he was this good. Is what I guess what I'm getting at.
1: I'll let Beato
2: start. Oh, what did you? Think I mean, I was I was definitely in the camp of not the people who were like, oh, it's a terrible signing. We're signing the off season. I I was excited about it, but I don't think I was. I do not think I anticipated him potentially being their best player. I still think Zach might be, but I think it's an argument. The fact that it's an argument kind of a legit argument is crazy. I look at what he's done and just his, you talk about his Toronto days. he's really evolved as a player, right? I mean, he's still athletic, but I mean, he, this was like a slam dunk champion type guy with crazy athleticism and burst. And the fact that he's turned himself into, I trust me, I'm not making this, same type of comparison that he's the same player, but it's kind of got that like little, like nine late nineties, Jordan type of vibe to his game of just turning himself into a really strong, efficient jump shooter in traffic and, um, his ability to be able to, to, to to feed off his other teammates and get to the line, which is something coach said right when they signed him is was going to be a huge plus because they were terrible at that. It's unbelievable. Like the the guy is, is literally, if you said, Hey, who are the MVPs of the league? He's in the top five, right? In the league right now. And I don't think anyone would have forecasted that even though I thought it was going to be a good signing for the bulls.
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly there's, there was no forecast of DeMar being this good similar to you, Mark. I didn't see him play a lot in San. I probably saw him play a decent amount with Toronto, but I didn't see him play a lot with San Antonio. And I would guess that because he didn't play so well in San Antonio, I think he played actually okay in San Antonio. They turned him into a little more of a point forward yeah. there. Uh, um, and because of that, I thought he was an older player. The one thing that has been, the if I was say, what the biggest surprise is, is the shape that DeMar DeRozan looks to be in. Like when you look at some players who get to be about this age, you start to see the wear and tear on their body. You look at Demar and you don't see a wear and tear on his body. And, uh, you know, the other day, I think Stacey King was saying that this guy's indestructible. He's barely been hurt in a regular season. You know, like, and of course I say that now and he's going to go out for the season with an ACL injury. But, like, you know, either way, we're, we're, we're just saying that um, he keeps himself in great shape. So I was most concerned that in year two or three of the deal – that you were going to say, you know, he's a good player, but he's getting older, and you know, the Bulls' window with Zach Levine—like, well, do they have the money now to get a different player? And DeRozan has kind of made me feel a lot better about that, for sure. And Demolus,
2: Demo- it. he a, it's had a- he had to replace that though because we got rid of Matt Thad from that trade, and the Thajic Johnson was one of his best. Stacy Kingism, so he had to come up. Something as good as the marvelous the
3: the guy is just uh, we love you stacy kig and uh somehow give me the hot sauce should come on to windy and let's just all have a good time <laughs> i, I m- rewinding back to toronto whenever i saw demar play generally w- or what at least what i focused on what i remembered is whenever they would run into the calves and he sucked i mean they they, they were brutal and, and he was not a primetime performer in the, in the biggest moments. So I just was, I did not have the proper respect for him. I'm outing myself one more time on tomorrow, but that's where I saw him the most.
1: He would wilt in the playoffs and because you are, you're not wrong about, that. I mean, you're not wrong about that. And I don't, I don't think it's a matter of wilting in the playoffs. I think if there's one negative to De- DeRozan's game is he's a little bit of a one-on-one player. And I think maybe going to San Antonio, that's helped him a little bit because he he was forced down there to become more of a, maybe more of a team player within the system guy. But if you looked at the game against Portland and you look at when their offense struggles, they can become just a, it's your turn. It's my turn offense with Zach and DeMar. And that's, that's one area that um, certainly Vucevic helps because he gives them a legitimate post, to set that ball screen and and run some other actions off of it but there are times where we are just giving the ball to DeRozan and just saying go go to work and go one-on-one And in the Portland game that kind of cost them the game a little bit you know kind of cost them the game a little bit I
3: definitely fell asleep at halftime and could not believe when I woke up in the fourth quarter and they were losing and I watched the
1: last two minutes so uh, yeah. I don't know what I don't know what I happened. watched it yeah. I watched I watched the disaster that was that second half, unfortunately. I didn't
2: watch any second of the second half. I'm just going to be Sorry. honest with our yeah. listeners. But,
1: <laughs> you know, the, the, DeRozan and Levine are phenomenal. And Lonzo Ball is, you know, it's like anything. And when they played the Lakers and everybody's got it going, it's, it's great, right? But you also have to recognize the weaknesses as well. So the weaknesses Golden State really pointed out are weakness. Uh, if you have athletic-sized wings to defend Zach and DeRozan, we can be defended a lot different than the Lakers. That's why I'm not big on the Lakers. You look at the Lakers' size on the perimeter. Now, obviously, LeBron makes that better, but it's just not good. You know, it's just not good. And you know Portland really dug in with Powell. They brought in Tony Snell. As much as Tony Snell, you and I we're, we're not going to be Tony Snell fans. But Tony snell's six seven and his freaking length, skinny
2: wing. Sorry, I didn't his point. length. I get that.
1: His length affected DeRozan. It was different than shooting over t- THT THT. It was like money in the bank. But Snell puts those long arms up, and DeRozan missed some shots.
3: So. Skin- Skinny wing was from which? What was that? You you picked a wasn't it
2: Ron? Ron Adams? Uh, it
3: was Ron Adams. You picked a skinny wing. Who did he want them to take?
2: Didn't, no, I was gonna say Draymond, but no, that was the Marcus Teague pick, right?
3: I think either he, way, they weren't
2: thrilled, or Ron he, Adams was not thrilled, right? He, he That's sto- the word on the street. He,
3: he stormed into uh, <laughs> Pax's office or Gar's office like a skinny wing <laughs> pick. <laughs> you friggin' idiot.
1: Yeah, the Ed Obradovich, you know you know, um, you know, you know, you know, my comment when they draft him, he, he scored five points in the NCAA tournament game because I drafted him in my like, uh, you know, the player pool stuff that I do. When I drafted him. He scored five points. So I was I was like, can he really play? He scored five points in the tournament game.
2: And everyone's like, "Oh, he's he's basically Kawhi because he's from the you know same conference and same yeah. town and all that stuff." And, yeah, know, he's him. not Kawhi,
3: and he doesn't speak. Um, to, Tony Snell. I can't believe we got a t- side of Tony Snell out of nowhere. But- good for
2: him though. Like we be cloned him, but he's had a nice. Like he's been in the league, played on some good teams. Roll off the bench. He's still in. Good for him.
3: Yep. 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 And we'll always remember the moment that he did not give Joakim Noah the chest bump, which, which is another great oh, moment. God. And Tony Snow's <laughs> get up. <laughs> uh,
2: and, top no- <laughs> Bulls moment, no doubt.
3: And, and, and Noah apologized for that in the back end too. He's like, look, I, now that I've been the 15th guy, I know how hard that role is. <laughs> but T. T- Snow was like, look, man, I'm not enthused at all. I'm not playing. I don't care. I know I'm done here. Get me out of here. That, that dude I've never interviewed anybody else who has stared at me like Tony Snell and like Casey Johnson would write about it. The penetrating stare of Tony Snell. Like he would just look at you and like, okay, easy. I, 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 I got you T Snell. Uh, all right. Let's, let's uh, remotely stay on focus with this, this bulls team. You know, another thing I didn't know, I didn't realize that Lonzo ball was this knockdown three point shooter. And it's, this is uh you know he had an ugly shot when he came in the league, and now it's like you just think it's going in, right? I mean,
1: yeah, absolutely. He's 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 really developed. He's really developed that part of his game, you know. And and again, give Lonzo credit. Lonzo, Caruso, and uh, De, DeRozan, their strengths. When those guys are playing to their strengths, they're really good. You know, they're really good. And and Lonzo is a perfect player for Levine and DeRozan was interesting I was listening I can't remember who it was I was hearing on the radio and they're talking about Lillard Lillard versus Levine I'm like well if you bring Damian Lillard here and trade Zach Levine like what's the point of having Lonzo Ball like basically you just wasted a 20 million dollar you know you just wasted 20 million dollars a year you gave to Lonzo Ball so I, I love Lonzo Ball for what he does for this team defensively He and Caruso at the end of games defensively are are just fantastic. And then you do have two great offensive players around them with a third offensive player. If he figures it out, you give three great offensive players around those two defensive players. And like you just said, Mark, ball and Caruso can make three point shots. So it's not like having, you know, non, you know, not entities on offense out there. They're two great defenders that still fulfill a role around three stud offensive players. I would take the bulls starting five. It's one of the five best starting fives in the NBA. The question is, you know, bench play and depth and things like that. But it's, it's probably one of the five best starting fives in the NBA with them all rolling.
3: Is anybody weirded out or just kind of looking curiously at the fact that ball rarely brings the ball up like I thought this was traditional point guard dude who was going to run the team and a lot of times it's DeMar bringing it up or Zach bringing it up or even even uh I feel like a, a big is bringing it up and 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 DeRozan or rather ball is standing in the corner I, I, have you have you noticed
2: that yeah, I think at times but and coach I'm curious your, your thoughts on this too like from an X to no standpoint but I think the Bulls, one thing I've noticed is that they tend to play matchups pretty well um, based on who's, who's guarding it and who brings it up. And because of Lonzo's ability to catch and shoot in the off-guard position, I think it gives them that versatility to be able to do so, right? So you mentioned the three-point shot. I mean, this guy's gotten better at it every year in the league. From two feet to 23 feet, he's shooting like 12%, it feels like. But from three, he's deep, and I think it just – Provides some versatility and allows the bulls to exploit the matchups based on who's guarding you who because they have so many weapons offensively.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that that's a good, that's a good question, Mark. I, I haven't noticed that as much as maybe you've noticed that um, I would guess a big part of that is 75% of the NBA, the pick and roll. And you're not going to put Lonzo in a ton of pick and pick and roll stuff because he's not, he doesn't do well under the three point line. Um, he's just not a, under the three point line player for the most part. And so my guess is that they start the offense a lot with Zach and Rosen because you're going into a ball screen. So instead of having to waste some time to make a pass to them, there are times they just want to get right into the ball screen from the start. You know, you only got 24 seconds on the shot clock. So sure. There are times that they do it, do have Lonzo bringing up in that, that sense, but then there's times where they want to get into that pick and roll offense, you know, right away from the top without a pass. How hard is it to learn the floater? You know, it's not even about, obviously, give him credit. He's improved a piece of his game. The thing that he did in the Portland game that you guys didn't see in the second half going into the small guard, he actually exploded to the hoop. Um, he actually really exploded to the hoop and made a couple layups. So right now I think maybe that's more where you're going to see Lonzo is say, all right, I'm six foot five, six foot six. Can he improve his ability to finish at the hoop more like that? You know, and then he's got to be able to make a 15 to 18 foot shot. He, he can't, he doesn't make that shot very well. Um, And he's left open for it a lot, but he does. And so I think Jeff Van Gundy was on the other day and he says, you know, tomorrow DeRozan, that shot's a great shot. Lonzo ball, not so much. And so Lonzo's caught in that tough situation analytically that one, it's not the shot you really want a 15, 18 foot shot to begin with. And then when you add that he's a bad percentage shooter at it, it's almost like teams are just giving him that shot. And um, at some point, for him to really elevate his game, he does have to be able to make that with a little more consistency.
2: To your point with the pick and roll too, right? The team's playing in the drop coverage so often that that 15 to 18 foot shot is going to be open. And it's only good if, to your point, if you shoot it at a DeRozan-like clip at that efficiency and he's just not doing it. But I think that you're, you're, you're spot on. It's so funny to see and be able to just shoot so well from three and then you move them five feet in and his percentage gets shaves off like 10%. It's, crazy. It, it,
3: it's unbelievable the logic, right? You would think, come on, man, off the bounce, wide open, 15, 18 footer, that's money all day long. You're an NBA basketball player. but So I, I do uh, – and, uh, and, Coach, that's interesting too. Like he doesn't need to learn the floater. He needs to be able to – he needs to take a couple dribbles in and be able to just pop it and – you know, come off the pick and roll and drill an eighteen footer, and then and, and hit it at what? I guess I don't know, sixty percent, something like that, to make it worthwhile. All right, we just got very numbersy.
2: said he's the man, though. Like, I mean, we're nitpicking. If this is like a problem with Lonzo, like he's been fantastic. No, he's well, been. Well,
1: I don't. I don't. I don't agree with that. That veto. I mean, you're supposed to nitpick. I mean, the goal is oh, not oh, to be ten and five in the regular season. The goal is eventually to be. Are you a championship team? So right. his weaknesses are his weaknesses, and they're going to get they're they're going to get dredged up. When you get into a playoff game, and Lonzo Ball goes two for nine from the field and scores five points and has three assists, and the Bulls lose one ten to one hundred three to the Milwaukee Bucks, that's going to be the story the next day.
2: For, for sure, I'm just saying, like for what we sign him for, based on that, and because my point being is like he's not a finished product, right? So it's hard. I feel like in any sport or at any age to literally change overnight and everything. So he improved his three point shooting and that's maybe the next thing he needs to bite off. But I think as a whole, I think compared to what we weren't, when we signed him for 20 mil, like were you, Are you happy with the results so far, holistically, knowing that he still has some things need to improve? I guess that's Uh, where he's getting at. One
3: hundred percent in this pod, for the record, has been supporting the Lonzo Ball signing way in advance of actually. Yeah, Yeah. we we talked about it
1: last year. We we all we all we all were positive towards the Bulls making that trade last year. And all right,
3: so one of us on this pod was not as positive on the Vooch trade, and
1: uh, (laughs) (laughs) you're
3: right. And I. I think it looks a lot better now because they're in the mix and I did not think they'd be this far in the mix, but I I do want to throw out there that, you know, I think Stacy was talking about the death lineup the other night and the, with Derek Jones in there and, and the Bulls having Caruso ball, Jones, DeMar and Zach, uh, and it just causes teams a whole ton of problems. So I, I do wonder like if that is actually their best lineup that Vooch, even when he gets back healthy is not their, is not actually their best sort of quote unquote death lineup. When you have an athletic big like that, who can finish at the rim, it looks real good at times. I'll tell you that.
1: hundred percent. No, Mark. hundred percent. No, hundred percent. No. All right. I mean, Derek Jones, the, the golden state game was in tremendous example of why you need a player like Vucevic and, I guarantee you, they did a good job. The Bulls did. Billy Donovan did a great job because I guarantee you, after that Golden State game, he showed Derrick Jones how Thaddeus Young played last year. And Tony Bradley, the problem is Tony Bradley can't do it, and Derrick Jones has been able to to improve upon it a little bit. But then he had four fouls in nine minutes. I mean, he's he's physically, you know, physically overwhelmed. Like you can't count on on that guy in that situation but basically what teams just did is at golden state just doubled levine and derote they they said go ahead set a screen with derrick jones set a screen with tony Bradley." they just doubled it and said throw the ball to those guys and make them try to make a play and it was a disaster and so jones did a little better in um the lakers game and the clippers get you know they did a little better with it i think they probably showed them showed them like I said, clips of Thaddeus Young last year and how they attacked that when they did that to Zach last year. But Vucevic takes that away. I, Vucevic just hasn't shot well yet and hasn't played well. But if we get the Orlando Magic or even last year hot shooting Vucevic, man, he opens up so much for this team offensively. And you and from a size perspective, he does get double digit rebounds and he he looks way better defensively this year because guys like Caruso and Alonzo Ball, Levine playing harder, they're chasing off of that um, ball screen where Kobe White and Zach last year and those guys would just get stuck on it and put Vucevic in a position where he was awful, right? But now that he's got actual good defenders running through that big role, he's been a lot better defensively.
3: Kobe White looks like a dude that is so dying to get out of here. He is – that body language ain't great, Beal. Oh. You want to comment? You want to comment? I, I oh, can't. his b-
2: body language. Is this like a Jay Cutler discussion it, all over again?
3: It, <laughs> it, it, it's over for Kobe White in Chicago. I, he I just that's...
2: played two games here. I actually done. think he's he might be. I mean, they could they could trade him. Ios looks spectacular. Oh, you're tough, man. Yeah,
1: Kobe White done. He's
3: done here. He is. You've got big long the guards highest. on four-year deals, uh, three-year <laughs> deals. It, it's oh, it's over. You got
2: on this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. It's. I just. Think I was, you, yeah. I think like this. I think he actually like. I mean, it's clear like he maybe not be the guy that people were hoping he would be. But on this team, and coach talked about it earlier that worried about like the starting five is great, some depth. They need some scoring depth. So his ability to shoot the ball off the bench, in theory, should be actually fit. I feel like well on this group that takes away minutes from Io who. Has exceeded my expectations. I was with coach. I wanted like Jared Butler or the other, uh, was it Sharif Cooper? I want to say, um, when the Bulls are up, but where I get to raise my
3: hand and say that I said IO. I was a big believer in IO,
2: but what reason? Just because he was from Chicago and he went to Illinois?
3: No, because I was sitting courtside at Wildcats, Illinois, and I saw this guy go coast to coast. I'm like, that is an NBA freaking player all day long. All day. I mean, you're
2: right. He was, he's been really good, but uh, I to. Kobe, I mean, he's played two games. He's been out like, you know, the first time he has like a 25 point game off the bench where he's like seven of nine from three, you're going to be back on the Kobe White bandwagon.
3: Oh, and for the record, I like Kobe. White. I think he's got a spot. I know. You love him. I interviewed a,
2: him before the draft. You're like, I want this guy, right?
3: Yeah. yeah I, I like Kobe. I just don't think that this particular situation is going to work out from the with everything they've added on. Uh, and I, do, and I honestly do think that looking at him and not just, I'm not talking about how he's running around on the court, but just look, look at what's happened. He, he's getting, he's lucky to get 10 minutes a night. And this is a guy that's used to having the ball in his hands. A, a young player. This, he does not want, I, if you, if you put him on a polygraph right now, do you want to be in Chicago? <laughs> uh, he is, he is saying, get me somewhere where I can
1: play. 100 of of, oh, percent of course i mean yeah. of course that's what he wants but he i think overstated i mean overstating him being done that's overstating and the truth is it is two games that he was coming in with a minutes restriction to begin with and i have no idea like like i'd have to see practice like to make to as a coach as a coach mark i would have to see practice to be like all right Nope. He's done. Where's Kobe right now? Like Kobe white in practice right now might be like literally just trying to get in shape. Like he he may be just trying to get in shape. And remember it was a shoulder injury. So shooting, like he wasn't shooting for a long time. Like it's so much feel to come back and then they're not even giving him the ball to let him cook at all. They're basically just saying, Hey, just stand here. And if we throw you the ball, you know, think about shooting it if you're open. Right, because the ball's in Demar's hands with that second group. So, give him a little bit to see if, like, on a day where we let him try to cook, and see what happens before you just uh, summarily dismiss him as a player. Yeah. I'm, I'm not,
2: He's Johnny Flynn. He's not a candy. He's a bust.
3: I, I again, I'm not dismissing him as a player. I'm dismissing him as a bull And 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 and. <laughs> know, we're putting words in your mouth. And and, so. and another thing, uh, NBC Sports Chicago. I stuck around for the post game show on his on his first. Uh, game, and great job uh, as always, Will Purdue, Kendall Gill, Jason yeah, Goff, awesome. and uh th- they had to show how Kobe White highlights because he's back. Well, what were the highlights? Here's Kobe White missing a pull-up 15-footer. Here's Kobe White getting swatted. They didn't have a shot to show him making a shot. No, was- he hasn't made a shot yet. That's where I think
1: the body language, but I think that's where your body language situation comes in. Like, I- Yeah, I don't think he, I think he's a little disappointed. You come in and you're 0 for 5 in your first two games i'm sure you know this is a guy who has got the scoring championship of the north carolina high school basketball i mean this guy is give the guy a little ability to to bounce back and he's shown the ability to do that in the past when he's when he struggled i give him a give him a little bit of a little rope give him a little rope to figure it out here right
2: do so you agree much. with the, assess- like, I agree. I get Mark's point, like maybe long-term, who knows if he's effective given all the pieces they have, but coach, I'm curious your thought, like, do you think like, cause I think like he actually does fit well on this year's team, if he's able to shoot well, because they need some second unit scoring, but Absolutely. what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think, I look, I think Kobe White could be Jordan Clarkson and just let him give him the time to figure that out. Right. I think he can be that kind of player. DeMar DeRozan, You can't just throw the ball in DeMar DeRozan's hands every night on the second unit and say, go, you know, shoot the ball 15 times with this group. Like he's going to need another player uh, off that bench. And look, I, I love Io DeSumo. He's off to a great start and he plays hard. He plays great defense. He's got a place in the league. I still haven't seen him make a three point shot on the West coast yet. Like the end of the day, you know, he's going, you thrust him into more minutes and important minutes. You'll see the issues that IO brings to the court, right? So at the end of the day, you know, Kobe White has shown in this league, he could score 25 to 30 points on a given night. He can get hot and hit shots. And the bulls team, when you take out Levine and ball, they don't have much shooting. So, and Vucevic, obviously, they don't have a lot of shooting. So that bench of Javante Green and Derek Jones and who else is on that bench that we're, we're playing? Tony Johnson, and Dio DeSumo, uh, Elise Johnson. Like, dude, you better have someone that can shoot. There's going to be a time where no one makes a shot. And, yep. Mark, you're going to be screaming that time, tel- put Kobe in.
0: Yep.
1: We need somebody to hit that <laughs> shot. He's hey. wide open in the corner. Somebody better hit that shot.
3: So, okay, if, if you had to bet, go on record right now, will Kobe White be with this team after the trade deadline this year?
2: I say yes, because unless he turns it around, like what are you getting for him that's going to help you this year? Fair and point. Win?
3: Fair point. But yeah, uh, I agree with somebody that. Somebody might take a, you know, it depends how poorly the Bulls think of, of what, of how he fits with what they're trying to do. I'll say it like that, which is the nicest way of putting it. Uh, you know, they didn't draft him. This was, this is not an tourist pick. And he's they've gotten
2: been, rid of all the other. Right. Picks, right. They've they, all gone.
3: Yeah. We, we don't see Wendell Carter running around here. We, we, While we he's out? we, uh, I mean, we, we flipped the whole roster here. So uh, do, do they make a trade that, that they can live with? I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I would think that somebody would give them up something that, that might make it palatable for them, thinking that, you know what, we have a chance to actually do something this year. Which, speaking of that, what do you think they have? If you look at the East right now and you look at what Kyrie's situation in Brooklyn, I don't know what's going on in Milwaukee. Their, their, their regular season struggles are probably being over overblown right now. But this conference, at least a little bit, feels wide open right now, does it not?
1: 100% agree that it's that it's open. You know, uh, obviously there's three teams that are better than the Bulls with everything being right. And if the Brooklyn Nets get Kyrie Irving back and Harden is in great shape or in, in his usual shape, you know, that's that, that team. The Bucks certainly, regardless of what the regular season looks like, if Middleton, Holiday, and And uh, Giannis are healthy in the playoffs. They're the favorites because they won last year. And that's a tough three group of guys with experience winning. And then the third is the Sixers, depending on what happens with Ben Simmons, right? If Ben Simmons comes back, the Sixers are, again, a talented team, right? If Simmons is traded for, let's say, Portland trades Damian Lillard to the Sixers for Ben Simmons, all of a sudden... The Sixers are a really legit team. So those are the three teams that I would say will be a challenge for the Bulls to beat. But I would put the Bulls up against any other team in the East. And with the the potential issues of the Nets and the Bucks and the Sixers, the Bulls have a shot. They have a legit shot.
2: Yeah, I mean, look at last year, right? Like, would we have thought that? I know, Coach, you called it. But with the injuries and stuff, would you have thought that the Suns would get there or they'd be the best team? So... There's no – I know Durant and LeBron are still around, but it, this isn't like Miami in 2012 where outside of Derrick Rose being hurt, there was like anyone that had a chance to get to the finals. But it's just like be playing well, set yourself up, and you never know. Maybe Kyrie never comes back. Maybe Milwaukee has an injury. Uh, maybe Ben Simmons doesn't come back. Maybe Miami doesn't fully click. Like, who knows? Right.
1: And I should say I left out Miami. Miami, obviously
2: – They're good too.
1: But But again – Butler and Lowry have shown the ability to, to not be available as far as things go. And, and um, I don't think the bulls are, I don't, I think from a talent perspective, the bulls are there with Miami. I think Miami just has some experience that would be challenging for the bulls, but I think the bulls are as talented as Miami, the bucks, those three guys really roll in the nets, those three guys playing the Sixers Replace Simmons with a great player, Simmons comes back. I see those three teams is probably a little stronger than the Bulls at this moment, but um, with the problems of those three teams, I like the Bulls um, as yeah. much as anybody. In uh, the fact eight.
2: that we're even talking about them in this discussion is kind of exciting. It, right? it, like they were literally talking about the Bulls, like who's better than them. And the fact that they're at least involved is quite a change. The we do need that-
1: to talk about the Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan thing. Oh, oh I mean, it's a Bulls podcast, though. So we do have to talk about. It. We can't I mean, not. I mean, we're uh, from that era, so we can't uh, not talk about that on this podcast, right? If someone's coming to listen to this podcast, we got to at least let people know our opinions, right?
3: So we've got four minutes in Zoom time to do it. I've done two podcasts by myself, just screaming into the microphone, which clearly you guys have not listened to, but I highly recommend both of them. Actually, I had okay. Sam Smith on one of them, uh, and then the other one I just had to do an impromptu. I can't stand this guy. He is such a uh, uh, he is such a. Uh, uh, I, my first thought was he's such a fucking asshole, and the next one was he's such a piece of shit. I didn't want to say either of those, but <laughs> but. But it, it's it's just it's it's so incredibly disappointing. But go ahead, Beato. What do you what do you want to say about? Pitt? I mean,
2: all of my thoughts are basically what yours are. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I'm actually it doesn't bother me because it's almost gotten to the point of just being sad. Like it's actually pathetic. Yeah. So like that's what I just can't let it get under my skin because he's it's, it's so off the wall and it's so self promotional. About everything he's got going on between his book and bourbon and like whatever that I just can't let it like it does just doesn't affect any. It just drives me nuts because he's so far off base that if I do let it get under my skin, it's all I'm going to think about. Which <laughs> <It's so, laughs> just, I feel like it's probably how you are. <laughs> I,
3: so, I I literally spent yesterday counting the amount of assists in the in the in the final. I saw it.
2: You're oh nine to two oh seven. Yeah, two oh nine
3: to two oh seven. You Jordan dick. had
2: more assists.
3: More assists. He had more <laughs> assists than you mr Ruin basketball and by the way you were supposed to be the distributor i can't stand him i
1: really I, this yeah, is just, i'm done with him it's i love i love scotty i love him <laughs> i love him you know and and i think he i think though any everything negative said about him is deserved right as much as i love him everything that's said about him is 100 percent deserved because a lot of people when they would ask about that last dance i said if you lived in Chicago during that time, the guy who did the video, the documentary, he was a Chicago, he was, he lived that time period. I said, if you live that time period, that is exactly the emotions that we went through with Scottie Pippen. It was not just, this is the greatest player. It was the ups and downs with him. And I thought Jeff Van Gundy, I'll just repeat what Jeff Van Gundy said, as great a player as he was top 50 player hall of fame or whatever, the title of his book should probably be. Thanks, Michael. And that's for all of those players. They can all, they can all, you know, kiss every Chicago fans ass. whether you're Luke Longley or anybody else that you want to go after Michael Jordan. Listen, take Michael Jordan off that team. You guys are the same people that surrounded Derrick Rose for right. those years. Steve no one cares Kurt. about you. No yeah. one remembers you outside of Joakim Noah, right? There's one, maybe one of you guys would be remembered. Right, that's just the truth.
2: Steve Kerr credits. He goes, "I'm probably not even the coach of the Warriors without Michael Jordan because I don't get my job in broadcasting because if I'm not that associated is. with Michael Jordan, otherwise I'm some random guy off the Come bench. On. Why am I greatest. getting hired?" And then he goes, "I'm not getting the, the coaching job. It wasn't the broadcasting and being in those circles. So he's like, he's literally the reason why they, they, they were
1: part. Those guys were part of the greatest show maybe in all of sports over a 10 year period like the show that was the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan over a 10 year period I don't know if it'll ever be duplicated again
3: Scotty you're a dick you're an enormous (laughs) fucking dick and
1: it's 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 just
3: it's really (laughs) fucking
2: sad
1: but the Bulls Uh, are back
2: but the Bulls Bulls are back back. don't question that (laughs)
0: speculate, but I do know in, in, in our line of work that he's coming out with a new trick and he's coming out with a new book. So maybe this is all marketing.
3: He said that Mike was in the huddle basically doing the last dance in 1997 speaking to the cameras. I'm not saying Mike's not calculated, but that, that's a level of calculation. I mean, in the moment of, of game six of the finals, yeah. He's thinking about a movie in 20 years?
2: Yeah, that's nice.
0: <laughs> this program was recorded on tape for a live audience. When it comes to closing games, me and him are in that same category. I don't, I think I only hit one game with a shot in my whole career, but you get in for what you're known for. Yeah, that's nice. You know, me and Scotty had our little... Instagram, verbal, Twitter exchange, and it was fun. We saw each other, we laughed, and we all—it's it's all good. No, this is what we do. Is that we talk trash?
3: Yeah, my relationship with Mike is is great. It's great as ever. You know, it's nothing changed. Uh, this documentary has not changed our relationship. We will be friends forever well we we both play the team game so we we understand the value of teammates we will be friends forever